Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Wolf Sports Show. The NFL trade deadline passed a couple of days ago, and it was very eventful, the most trades ever on deadline day. We'll get to some of them real quick. Then we'll touch on the six teams that are on a bye for week nine, and then we'll go through every matchup again, hitting every team in the league, which not everyone does. We talked about the Kadarius Tony trade that broke last week, and also the previous Robert Quinn deal for the Eagles. After trading away Quinn, the Bears made another big trade uh, on their defense, trading away star linebacker Roquan Smith, who was a second-team All-Pro the past two seasons and is one of the best linebackers in the league. They trade him to the Ravens for a second-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and also veteran linebacker AJ Klein to help make up for the loss of Smith. Remember, Roquan requested a trade during the summer, so he lands in an interesting spot with Lamar Jackson also winning contract and not liking how that's been going with the Ravens and ended negotiations before the season, Jackson did. Clearly, for Baltimore, it was a move to help them match some of the top quarterbacks in the league. Smith can elevate the entire defense, and he's very fast, sideline to sideline, so can maybe help contain top quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, especially when they get out and scramble and make plays down the field. So an aggressive move by the Ravens, who are looking maybe to some extent to still take advantage of the rookie contract Jackson's on and go for a championship this season. And the Dolphins also continue to be highly aggressive in adding veteran talent. They acquired outside linebacker Bradley Chubb, really strong pass rusher, good against the run from the Broncos, trading away a first-round pick, a fourth-round pick, and also running back Chase Edmonds, who kind of fell out of favor in the rotation on offense. And Miami got a fifth-round pick along with Chubb in the deal. And then shortly after, the Dolphins acquired Jeff Wilson, running back from the Niners, who is obviously a natural fit in Mike McDaniel's offense after McDaniel was the coordinator for the Niners last season. They traded a fifth-round pick to get Wilson from the Niners, who obviously they got Christian McCaffrey in the recent trade. Elijah Mitchell is coming back soon from his knee injury. Kyle Shanahan talked about how much he loves Wilson, but ultimately I guess this gives Wilson more of an opportunity to play more than he would with San Francisco, and now he'll work in tandem with Raheem Mostert in the Miami backfield. And for the Dolphins, they got a plethora of picks. Recently, with the Laramie Tunsil trade from the Texans years back, and then the big trade with the Niners trading up for the third overall pick last year to get Trey Lance. And the Dolphins were highly aggressive with those picks, mostly acquiring veteran talent. Basically, it turned into Jalen Waddle, who they ended up moving back up a little bit for in the draft to get after trading back in the trade with the Niners. So it was Waddle, and then they traded a first for Tyree Kill, and now this Chubb, Bradley Chubb trade, a first-round pick involved. So throwing in Waddle, clearly a hit as a top-10 pick. And then throwing in Tyree Kill and Bradley Chubb. Dolphins certainly did quite well trading the third overall pick for what basically amounts to those three players. Also on deadline day, the Steelers made a couple of moves. They traded wide receiver Chase Claypool to the Bears. So that's a big ad for Chicago. Getting a big receiver like that that can make plays down the field can also do stuff on like jet sweeps and do damage as a ball carrier. 
Remember, Claypool had 11 touchdowns as a rookie in 2020 after the Steelers took him in round two. Things didn't really work out like they expected after that. He had that situation, I think it was last season on Thursday night against the Vikings, where he celebrated a first down with the clock running and the Steelers needing to spike the ball or get a playoff, whatever it was. So he fell out of favor to some extent, I think, and maybe wasn't a great long-term fit for Mike Tomlin's squad. And when Pittsburgh drafted George Pickens out of Georgia in the second round in this year's draft, it was pretty clear Claypool was going to be gone at some point. And they did well to get a second round pick in the deal from Chicago. And for the Bears, they probably feel he's a good fit next to Darnell Mooney long-term in the receiving group for Justin Fields, who they've been using more as a runner lately. And that's helped lift the offense a bit. And getting Claypool will help the passing game. And then the Steelers basically swapped late-round picks with the Commanders to get cornerback William Jackson, former high-priced free agent, signing by Washington. And definitely a high-upside addition for the Steelers at corner. And I think they can get a lot out of Jackson. And it's really a low-risk move for them. A notable move for the Bills, they traded, they got running back Naheem Hines from the Colts, who the Colts, I guess Hines just wanted out basically didn't like the situation there. Can't blame him. And he now joins the top team in the conference right now. Indy gets Zach Moss back, running back to help fill the depth there. And a fifth-round pick. And for Hines, in addition to his ability on offense, he can also return punts at a high level. And that might be big. Come postseason, they might want somebody like him back there returning the punts and hopefully having a steady hand. And then finally, I was really intrigued by this. The Jaguars acquired Calvin Ridley from the Falcons for conditional picks. It'll likely be a second headlining the deal that the Falcons will get in return. And Ridley, I think I remember from when Doug Peterson was with the Eagles that he's Peterson is really high on Ridley's talent. With Ridley suspended for the season because of betting on a game last year while he was away from the Falcons, this is a move looking ahead to 2023 as they continue to build around Trevor Lawrence. And things obviously went off the rails a bit last year with Ridley and leaving the Falcons and then getting the shocking suspension. But he was emerging as one of the league's top receivers. And we'll have Ridley and Christian Kirk leading the receiving core moving forward after the season. So the Jags have been under fire, understandably. GM Trent Baalke who somehow remained the GM when Doug Peterson was hired as head coach. But I do like this move in getting Ridley. Definitely a high upside move for them. And then finally, this one was a little bit surprising just because it came within the division. But the Lions, they GM Brad Holmes, I think, said it. He doesn't really care about trading in the division. doesn't bother him. And they did a couple of times during the draft. So that aspect shouldn't have been surprising. The Lions traded tight end TJ Hawkinson, former top 10 pick along with a fourth-round pick and a conditional fourth in 2024 and got in return a second-round pick and a third-round pick from Minnesota. Really since the middle of last season, for the most part, I know Hawkinson had the big game early this season, but for the most part, he was being utilized a lot as a blocker. We'll see if things open up for him more as a receiver, more consistently with the Vikings, and I think the swap is really a deal that makes sense for both sides a lot. With the Lions now at 1-6, looking unlikely to push for a playoff spot this season. While the Vikings were looking to add more and gear up for a Super Bowl run 
in the NFC. So that about recaps the trade deadline. It was pretty eventful, obviously. Again, most trades happening on deadline day in history. And we'll now move to the teams with a week nine bye. We'll start with the Niners, who were down at halftime against the Rams, then totally shut them down the second half, allowed no points, 130-114. Christian McCaffrey, who was, I guess, probably the biggest trade this year in going from the Panthers to the Niners, had a hat trick, um, a passing touchdown, rushing touchdown, receiving touchdown, joining Walter Payton and LaDainian Thomason as the only three players in history to do it in the Super Bowl era. And it was lost a little bit in McCaffrey's performance and the defense totally stepping up. Fred Warner was flying around. Debo Samuel was out, so the Niners did it without him, the all-pro receiver and runner. And just, it was under the radar how good Jimmy Garoppolo was in the game, 21-25, threw for a couple of touchdowns until the Niners win a Super Bowl. And even if they win it, they'll probably say the roster was totally stacked, all the doubters and haters, whatever. But Jimmy G doesn't get enough credit for being a quarterback that puts passes right on the money and plays at a high level when bottom line wins games, despite sometimes having some, I guess, boneheaded type plays. So again, yeah, he doesn't get much credit when the Niners win, just mostly blame if they lose and he maybe doesn't have a great game. The Browns are also coming off a big performance on both sides of the ball. Nick Chubb, he leads the NFL in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns. He was on fire again on Monday night against the Bengals. The Cleveland defense, they seem to have uh, the number of Joe Burrow and the Bengals right now, and they had another great performance against them at home on Monday night. They didn't trade away Kareem Hunt at the trade deadline. I don't know, maybe teams didn't want Hunt given the off-field stuff he had in the past, but it was pretty clear he was available. Maybe that changed when the Browns got the win, and now they'll recharge at the bye at 3-5. and five. The Cowboys are also on a bye. They're at 6-2 and two now after dominating against the Bears. Both sides of the ball had huge plays. Michael Parsons had a fumble return for a touchdown. It was a pretty funny one where he recovered the fumble. He knew he wasn't touched. His teammates were kind of celebrating and ready to run to the end zone to do a dance or whatever, I think. But Parsons, he just sprinted and ran to the end zone for a touchdown. And that was a heads-up play by him, who is clearly one of the great players in the league right now. The Dallas offense had a big game all around after they were somewhat rusty, I think, in Dak Prescott's return the previous week. Zeke was out, but Tony Pollard had 14 carries for 131 yards and three touchdowns in the win over the Bears. A lot's been made of Jerry Jones saying that Zeke is still like the lead back and the engine of the team, or the offense at least. And I don't see the big deal. I mean, they can both get plenty of work. And people, it's kind of ridiculous. People make it like Zeke is some totally washed up player that's not playing well at all. Well, he is actually playing well. He was big in getting them back in that Eagles game a few Sunday nights ago. And Potter is an extremely exciting talent, dynamic runner. But it's not an either or. It's, that doesn't mean that Zeke isn't good just because Potter is really good. And too much is being made of Zeke starting or whatever. It might be good. I know Pollard just had the big game against the subpar Bears team, but it might be good if Zeke starts, can wear down the defense a bit, and then Pollard comes in and pops big runs. And maybe they just need to use Pollard a little more, including as a receiver. But it's kind of crazy. People are making like Elliott should be scaled back a ton. The Broncos have a bye after their big win in London over the Jaguars. Again, traded Bradley Chubb 
but they're somewhat in the mix at three and five now. That was a must win, I think, at this stage to get some good thing going. Russell Wilson looked more like himself. Rookie tight end Greg Dulcich continues to shine. They didn't trade Jerry Judy, despite a lot of talk at the deadline. Again, they added Chase Edmonds in that Bradley Chubb deal. So the already deep running back group gets even deeper now. And we'll see. We'll see if they can make adjustments during the bye on offense. And the defense should still be strong even after trading Chubb. And we'll see if they can make a run. The Giants are on the bye. Their loss at Seattle dropped them to 6-2. and two. Still at around the halfway point. This is about as good as it could have been, I think, for the Giants. The offense couldn't get a ton going. At Seattle, tough Seahawks defense. Their touchdown was after the defense forced a fumble, and they had the ball around their own five-yard line, and Saquon Barkley punched it in. Brian Dable and the coaching staff and the players will take the bye to hopefully get back on track on offense a bit. And when they return, they have two home games against the Texans and against the Lions. I think they'll probably be favored in both. Definitely the first one, and I would think they'll be favored at home against the Lions for sure. So they got a good shot to get to 8-2, and two, and we'll see how they handle the bye. And then finally, the Steelers are on their bye this week. Again, talked about the Chase Claypool trade and the William Jackson acquisition. Last week against the Eagles was just not a great showing, and and they're clearly not on the level of some of the top teams at this moment. However, TJ Watt might be back after the bye, and they are a much different squad when he's in the lineup as a pass rusher and everything he does to impact an offense. So I wouldn't count them out completely, but they need Watt back as soon as possible and need him to take over games like he's capable if they're going to climb back into the playoff picture. Okay, now to week nine. I'm going to try something maybe a little different, try to get through each matchup much quicker. I'm excited about every week in the NFL for sure. But I will say this schedule doesn't look that great on paper, maybe especially for more casual fans. But I'll try to get through each matchup more of a rapid fire approach. And then at the end, I'll talk a little bit about the Washington commander situation with the team looking like it's going to be up for sale. Let's start with Thursday Night Football. The Eagles face the Texans in Houston. Jalen Hurts is returning home. These two cities are facing off in the World Series right now. Phillies were no hit last night. I'm a Phillies fan, so that was disappointing. And we'll see if the crowd can get behind the Phillies tonight before the series heads back to Houston. But anyway, the Texans host tonight in Houston against the Eagles. And they're already without Nico Collins, who's dealing with a groin injury. And now Brandon Cooks, who's unhappy he wasn't treated. It sounded like the Cowboys were involved, but the Texans wouldn't eat enough of Cooks' salary to get a deal done. So it looks like he's not going to play tonight after not practicing while he was unhappy around the trade deadline. So Davis Mills is shorthanded, facing one of the top defenses in the league in the Eagles, and an offense that scores a bunch of points. A.J. Brown had three touchdowns last week. Eagles are the biggest favorites of the week. This could be ugly, but we'll see. Damian Pierce needs to be key for the Texans to maybe control the game to some extent. And maybe that'll be more likely with Eagle star rookie defensive tackle Jordan Davis out with a high ankle sprain. So we'll see how that goes, and we'll see 
how the ratings are for this game. I'm intrigued to see because, again, both these teams are playing in the World Series. It might be a blowout in favor of the Eagles. We'll see. The home markets might be tuned more into the World Series. Now moving to Sunday, the Colts face the Patriots. All-time rivalry has changed quite a bit. Indy won the matchup last year on Thursday night, but this matchup comes in Foxborough. Sam Onger is making his second career start, so young quarterback going against Bill Belichick. Normally he's in a path for success. Jonathan Taylor's again banged up with his ankle injury. I'm guessing he won't play on Sunday, but we'll see. The Colts are going to need Darius Leonard and the defense to make huge plays as they did in last season's matchup. And for the Patriots, they bounced back with a big win over the Jets last week. Defense for them did step up in a big way. Ramondre Stevenson paced the offense as both a runner and a receiver. Mac Jones had another interception, and he could have had another a bad pick six. But thankfully for him, a roughing the passer penalty wiped that out. Basically, I think Jones needs to take care of the ball, and the Patriots should be fine while riding a strong defense against Indy. And for the Colts, they fired offense coordinator Marcus Brady, who, so basically for two consecutive weeks, it's like they're finding scapegoats to me. I know Matt Ryan turned the ball over, but he carried them to a win recently, and I don't know, it felt kind of unfair to bench him to me. And now Brady is scapegoat number two, apparently. And pretty soon, they'll probably run out of people to blame for these struggles the past year plus. Divisional matchup, Packers face the Lions. The Packers ultimately lost by 10 at Buffalo. But I saw some things I like. Aaron Jones was exceptional throughout the game. A.J. Dillon chipped in and ran well, too. The passing game did good things. Romeo Dobbs had... A spectacular touchdown catch, one of the best catches of the season to this point. Acrobatic, where he spun around a couple of times and caught it. So they're looking to build on that. And I think Jones and Dylan need to be a huge part of this week against the uh, Lions defense that chuckled against the run and against the pass, really. So we'll see if the Packers offense are rocking it on track. And for Detroit, even after trading Hawkinson, I think they can maybe keep up in a potential shootout. Although the Packers defense. They played Buffalo pretty well last week, all things considered. The Chargers face the Falcons. Again, as I said last week, with the Chargers coming off the bye, I'm looking for Justin Herbert to hopefully be healthier with a rib injury. Although, unfortunately, Keenan Allen, the hamstring, had an issue during the bye week. Looks like he's going to be out this week. It's pretty unfortunate. Looks like it might be a situation where he's not right all season, but we'll see if he can get back to himself by the end of the year and maybe for a playoff run if the Chargers make it. And Mike Williams, I would think, is definitely out with a high ankle sprain. So Josh Palmer is going to need to step up big. Austin Eckler, of course, a big part of the offense. And look for the tight ends, Gerald Everett and Donald Barham, to both be big parts of their passing attack, facing a vulnerable Atlanta pass defense. The Falcons, they got that wild win against the Panthers where they gave up the Hail Mary to DJ Moore which forced overtime, could have lost them the game, but forced overtime. Marcus Mario had an interception over time, but he made up for it and made big plays to put them in position for a game-winning field goal from young Wei Koo. And Atlanta's at 4-4. Four and four. The team believes in Arthur Smith. They believe in Mario at quarterback. They're top the NFC South. 
and I think this game in Atlanta should be one of the best of the week. The Bills face the Jets. Again, Bills were a little bit off against the Packers defense that did a nice job against them, relatively speaking. They added Hines. We'll see how he's incorporated. We'll see how Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and the passing attack can go after uh, what's been a strong Jets pass defense led by Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. For the Jets on offense especially, they sort of look like a different team, I think, without Brees Hall, who is basically just breaking long runs and touchdowns every week. And also Elijah Vera Tucker. I said to watch out for that last week, and they didn't look great against the Patriots. And it won't be an easy task trying to get back on track facing a juggernaut like the Bills. So look for the New York defense. They'll really need to step up and somehow contain them a bit. And Zach Wilson, there's talk about him being benched. His back is against the wall a bit. And the Jets held on to receiver Elijah Moore, who wanted to be traded, returned and played last week, though I think he only played four snaps. So he's kind of in the doghouse after complaining about his own role when the team was having success. So that situation is something to keep an eye on moving forward the rest of the season and into the offseason. And also for the Bills, it looks like they'll get Tredavious White back, potentially, all-pro corner, one of the best players in the league, who was activated off the pup list and might play against the Jets this week, and that'll be a boost for a defense that's already one of the best in the league, as usual. The Vikings face the Commanders. Kirk Cousins facing his former team. Cousins, Dalvin Cook, and the entire offense are coming off a strong outing against the Cardinals last week in their win. Zadari Smith had three sacks on defense. The Minnesota defense has found a way to make some key stops this season in their wins. Again, added Hawkinson. So they're in a good spot with one loss. But the Commanders look to have something going right now with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Got a win over the Colts last week. Heineke, one of the things I like about him is he gives his receivers chances to make plays. He gave Terry McLaurin another opportunity down the field last week at the end of the game, and he came up big, high-pointed, and made a really nice catch. It feels like the team believes in Heineke, and I expect them to be in this game this week, and we'll see. Maybe the Vikings are too much, but it should be a close one. The Panthers face the Bengals. Talked about Cincinnati struggles against Cleveland. Carolina is not going to be an easy matchup without Jamar Chase for the Bengals. I look for T. Higgins to get going down the field more, though, more consistently. The defense finally gave up a second-half touchdown against the Browns the first of the season, which is pretty crazy. Unfortunately, they lost their top cornerback, Jadobi Wuzier, to a torn ACL. That's a massive loss for a team looking to get back to the Super Bowl. Overall, they need to put something together, mostly on offense. I think the defense should step up with defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo and the entire unit not happy with how they played last Monday night. And for the Panthers, again, the Hail Mary to DJ Moore from P.J. Walker, who even Patrick Mahomes said was it was a throw of the year. It was a crazy throw right in the bucket, deep down the field. I've talked up Walker enough the past few weeks. I think he'll keep playing well, take care of the ball. But it's good to see Moore get going. Down to Foreman and the rushing attack. Foreman had three touchdowns last week. So they've got something going a bit with the Panthers. The defense, again, they have upside. They also didn't have a good outing last week in the overtime loss to the Falcons. So we'll see two defenses looking to bounce back this week. 
The Raiders face the Jaguars. Two teams that did not play well last week. The Jags losing in London. Uh, Crusher. That's basically a home game for them. Their logos everywhere. And they have a, the biggest presence in the UK, so they like to win there and unfortunately didn't. Losing to Denver. Trevor Lawrence is getting a lot of criticism. He didn't play well last week, missed too many throws. But I think we can equate this somewhat to a rookie season after last year was basically a disaster for the franchise. A major bright spot was Travis Etienne just looking like uh, one of the best running backs in the league with his performance against a pretty good Denver defense. And I expect he'll become a household name soon if he isn't already for football fans. And the Jags are hosting a Raiders team that was shut out against the Saints last week. It was the first time the Raiders were shut out since 2014. Definitely not what was expected when Josh Daniels was hired as the head coach for a team that went to the playoffs last season. And the team added Devontae Adams on offense. And it came off the bye, too. Makes it even more disappointing and surprising. So it can only go up from last week. Maybe they can climb back into it with their schedule. But the bottom line is they're not looking very good right now. And they need to get something going. One of the most surprising developments of this season has been the lack of production from Hunter Renfro. I know he's missed time with injury. But the thought was under McDaniels that he'd play at the same level he'd been playing, especially last year, and maybe even take off to a higher level. And that hasn't happened yet. We'll keep in on that and see if things can change there. And also, Devontae Adams himself hasn't been as productive consistently as you would expect. And I know Raiders fans are pretty frustrated with the state of the team at this point after it looked like they were building a good thing with John Gruden before that went off the rails for the off-field email stuff. The final 1 o'clock game, the Dolphins faced the Bears, touched on the Bears, adding Claypool to the offense, the defense taking a step back by losing Roquan Smith. Again, Chicago, they're getting more of the offense since using Justin Fields more as a runner. And I expect that will continue, I would think, around 10 maybe 10 to 12 carries per week for Fields moving forward. That's the best path for him to have success in the league, definitely at this stage at least. And also talked about the Dolphins already with their big trade deadline. They haven't lost a game that Tua Tagovailoa has started and finished, so that's something to note. He was joking, kind of taking a shot this week, saying that his deep ball is looking pretty good. So he's had a bit of an edge. This season, after hearing a lot of talk about how he should be replaced or the Dolphins want to replace him or whatever it was for months here, that that has some shootout potential, I think. Miami-Chicago at Soldier Field. And now to the late afternoon games. For some reason, there's only two of them. I guess the NFL wants people to watch Rams Bucks, get a ton of viewers there, I guess. But we'll start with Seahawks-Cardinals. Seattle already has a win over Arizona. 19-9 win. Defense played outstanding earlier this season. A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I guess it was. This one will come in Arizona. So we'll see if the Cardinals can get on track there. And then next week, next Wednesday, so before the next episode of the Wolf Sports Show, the first episode of the in-season hard knocks for the Cardinals will air on Wednesday on HBO and HBO Max. So we'll get a good look there at them as they've had a disappointing start to the year. And this Sunday is a spot where they really need to get on track. 
J.J. Watt had a couple of sacks last week, so that was encouraging. Isaiah Simmons had a sack too. But the success of the Cardinals are going to come down to the offense stepping up and playing like at least a top 10 unit, I think. And they've been too inconsistent to this point, including in the earlier loss to the Seahawks I talked about. For Seattle, they're 5-3 and three atop the NFC West right now. I think they have a really good thing going. I think if you're not on the bandwagon yet for the Seahawks and Geno Smith, you should probably join. Again, the rookie class looks excellent. I don't see any reason why Geno will slow down. Giants defense coordinator Wink Martindale had another matchup last week. Said that Kurt Warner kind of comes to mind for him with the late career resurgence. If the Seahawks defense can play like they did against the Cardinals in their earlier matchup and follow up how they've been playing lately, they'll improve to 6-3, and three and they could totally take off from here. The 425 game, the Rams faced the Bucks. It's his own personal life. Uh, shouldn't talk too much about it. I think that should stay private, but Tom Brady and Giselle are public figures, and they announced their divorce last Friday after the Bucks lost to the Ravens on Thursday night. It was obvious something was a bit off with Brady, who was missing time, missed around 10 days of training camp. Maybe his on-the-field things were somewhat off. Brady only has one game this season with over one touchdown pass, which is shocking through eight games. But he is, I, I think he's second in the league in passing yardage. And we'll see if maybe a weight is lifted a little bit for him personally. And they can have more success in the tight areas in the crunch time moments, like in the red zone, where they've just been unable to throw for touchdowns. And they need, I think, the offense to step up in a major way and become the elite unit we expected entering the season. And like they're capable with Brady and the players they have, as long as the offensive line can play solid. Because the defense, they lost Shaquille Barrett, star pass rusher, to a torn Achilles. So that's a big loss. The run defense still needs to improve, and they improve there. It'll help the entire team. But I think the offense now, over the final nine games for them, need to take ownership and totally step up and become a top unit again. And for the Rams, not looking great for them. Just hasn't been a good season at all. It's a matchup of two teams that have been disappointing, but I think the Rams are in worse shape with the offensive line struggling a bit more, I think, for the most part, especially as of late compared to the Bucks, The defense hasn't been able to make many game-changing plays. Cooper Cup was injured in garbage time, basically, which was essentially stat building last week. Thankfully, it's not a serious ankle injury, and it looks like he'll be fine to play this week against the Bucks, who he had a ton of success against last year. And this is a playoff rematch of the NFC Divisional Round last season, which I thought was just truly awful officiating in favor of the Rams. That was at home for the Bucks, and this matchup also takes place in Tampa Bay. And I don't see anyone running away with the NFC South. So the Bucks probably aren't quite as desperate, but it's two teams that are in desperate need of getting something going heading into the second half of the season. The Titans face the Chiefs. Derek Henry is coming off his fourth against the Texans, his fourth time against them, going for 200 yards rushing. I talked about the damage he's done to them last week, and it's insane that 200 yards and four straight gains against an opponent is mind-blowing. 
And Ryan Tannehill missed that game last week against the Texans. Malik Willis made his first career start. It was a total run-heavy approach with Willis. The Titans don't trust him too much yet at this point, obviously. Ryan Tannehill practiced yesterday with the ankle injury. Looks like he'll play on Sunday night at Arrowhead. Tough environment. Titans are double-digit underdogs. So we'll see. They need a huge outing from Henry again, which he's done against the Chiefs in the past to keep this thing close and have a shot to win at the end. And for Kansas City, coming off the bye, playing at home, I'm anxious to see the plan they have to contain Henry, who I'm playing against in fantasy football. So we'll see if they can somehow contain him. And I wish I took Henry second overall in my fantasy draft. I wanted to run it back with Jonathan Taylor a bit, who I had last year. And I was sitting there thinking I should take Henry and didn't pull the trigger, and I should have. He's just so good. It's crazy. And gets fed the ball a ton. And also for the Chiefs side, I'm curious to see if Kadarius Tony's used a decent amount in what should be his first game with the team, assuming he's active. And then finally, Raven Saints on Monday Night Football. Lamar Jackson, despite Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman both leaving early on Thursday night, he ran around and made enough plays to help lift the Ravens over the Bucks. Again, the Roquan Smith addition is huge for the defense. Baltimore continues to be very banged up on offense. Bateman's going to miss a few weeks with the foot now again. Andrews continues to be banged up. But Jackson typically finds a way to move the ball and make plays for his team. And for the Saints, they had a 24-0 win last week over the Raiders. Alvin Kamara led the team in rushing and receiving, had three total touchdowns, one rushing, two receiving. He apparently gave a bit of a speech after they lost the previous Thursday night. And he and the Saints aren't used to losing. So they had their backs against the wall against the Raiders, and they came through. And playing at home against the Ravens this week should be a good one. And Andy Dalton needs to take care of the ball especially in prime time where he's had some struggles at times throughout his career. And we'll see what type of plan Dennis Allen has against Lamar Jackson. And I expect maybe Taysom Hill have give him some type of look on scout team, even though Hill is used a lot. I would think in practice this week, they'll use Hill to hopefully replicate Jackson to some extent ahead of the Monday night matchup. And that covers all the week nine matchups. Again, want to talk about the commander situation. Daniel Snyder hired Bank of America, whatever, Bank of America or something, to explore potential options to sell the team, whether the majority stake or a minority stake. The indications are at this point he's looking to sell the team, period, not just take a minority owner. Although I guess a minority owner maybe would help with getting a new stadium, which has been a struggle. But it's interesting to think about the potential owners. I think the top guy that the NFL would want, and I'm not sure how it would work with Amazon Prime having Thursday Night Football for the next 11 years, but Jeff Bezos, Amazon founder, one of the richest people in the world. So if any of you know Bezos, I'm truly serious. Feel free to tell him to check out our NFL draft track record if he is indeed interested in buying the commanders and needs to put together a front office. And I think our track record speaks for itself. And the other option I think would be Harris Blitzer. They want an NFL franchise. Apparently it was reported they want the London team years ago. That was said, but they were also involved in the Broncos bidding 
So I think they'll be involved in this uh, as an East Coast NFL franchise, given their location on the East Coast with ownership of teams in other leagues. So we'll end this episode there. Six teams on a bye. Interesting schedule, which is probably headlined by the two struggling teams, the Rams and the Bucks, looking to get back on track. Had an exciting trade deadline. The second half is about here. I guess with the 18-week schedule, we'll say after week nine is the second half. I know buys are kind of uneven, but... So 13 games, enjoy them all. And if any of you know Bezos, uh, just let us know. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.